Episode 239 for July 2013. And no, I have no clue what they're saying besides the word Spider-Man in that song. Alright, it's time for Spider History with JR. JR, we're going back to 1984, July. Talk a bit about this one. Oh, July 1984, and I was sitting worrying that George Orwell's nightmarish vision of uh, the year was going to become a reality, so I don't remember anything else until 1985, you know, and then I was relieved. Uh, but anyway, oh God, that went over well. Anyway, issue number 254. Um, let's see here. This is is pretty early in, on in Tom DeFalco's first run on Amazing Spider-Man. And the issue begins with the Hobgoblin's battle van being pulled from the river, which, of course, if you had read Amazing Spider-Man number 251, where Spider-Man and the Hobgoblin had their titanic final battle, uh, the battle van ended up in the river, and so did they. Um, so, and then the Hobgoblin got away. Well, anyway, so now it's being pulled up, and it's on a flatbed bed truck headed for police impound. However, we become aware of a plan by a shadowy figure that uh, uh, is, is uh, arranging to have the battle van stolen, and this shadowy fig- figure has a pumpkin sitting in front of him. So we're all being made to believe that this is the Hobgoblin. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, so anyway, while this is all going on, we get an overview of what Spider-Man is worrying about, because remember, he's got other titles in which things happen, so he has to worry about things that are going on in the these titles so that you'll go buy them as well and uh, a couple of things that uh, he uh, is worrying about is one the black cat because as you were calling the companion uh, story Peter Parker the spectacular spider-man he and the black cat are essentially partners and he feels that she is holding back something from him uh, which of course she is because we know that she got bad luck powers from the kingpin, and she's afraid that he might be pissed off if she if if he finds out. Uh, also, what he's worrying about is uh, Aunt May. He, back when Roger Stern was still writing the the, the series, uh, Peter dropped out of grad school, and now Aunt May is mad at him. You know, because she thinks he's throwing his life away and he's being irresponsible. So Aunt May won't speak to him. You know, most of us would be glad that some, that the old dingbat wouldn't talk to us. But, <laughs> you know, not, not our guilt-ridden Peter Parker. You know, so he tries to call her up and, you know, she won't even come to the phone and talk to him. So, you know, rather than do two logical things, you know, logical thing number one would be for him to man up, sit Aunt May down and say, Aunt May, you know why my life is messed up? Because I'm Spider-Man, you know, <laughs> and of course he won't do that, you know, he, he won't do that because that makes too much friggin' sense. And the other logical thing that he could do is just say, well, piss on the senile old bat. You know, I'm feeling guilty because that old fool thinks Franklin Roosevelt is still president and that the last 50 years haven't happened. You know, that's what, you know, any other sane person would do. But he doesn't do that either, so he just goes and decides to keep feeling guilty. Anyway, so Peter goes to the Daily Bugle. 
where another female reporter in the you know in the tradition of April May, Joy Mercado and Nora Winters, uh this time she's called Wendy Thornton. All right, she'll make an issue, she'll make an appearance a few issues later. You'll think Tom DeFalco is going to do something with her and then she never appears again. Well, anyway, she gives Peter the um the you know this this plot moving information that oh by the way the battle van of the hobgoblin never made it into the impound and Peter goes oh shit I got to run off and become Spider-Man. Well, complicating this fact is that Nathan Lubinsky who's another old fool, you know, who lives with, you know, who, you know, who's now Aunt May's boyfriend, you know, who's in a wheelchair or whatever and who Aunt May gives rubdowns to. Anyway, oh. this old fool, oh. you know, this old fool, what, what the hell else, how, how the heck else could they be boyfriend and girlfriend if he doesn't work below the waist, you know? Oh, I mean, I, we I we all, about it. We oh, no. we already know what a horny old broad she is because you know we saw you know jo- Jonah Jameson Senior humping her you know uh, oh, no. and and uh, so and, my mouth anyway so Nathan Lubinsky you know can't mind his own damn business so he calls Peter and says oh by the way Peter I'm having lunch with your aunt May somewhere and I'm not and because. I think you need to make up with her. I'm going to let you know so you can surprise her. And the two of you can sit down and uh, talk this out. And, of course, Peter's, you know, instead of Peter saying, why don't you mind your own business, old man, she says, oh, this is a really good idea. Anyway, so, but he changes to Spider-Man, and he catches up with the battle van, but then he gets attacked by the Jason Massendale jack-o'-lantern, who we find out is is orchestrating this whole thing for the Hobgoblin. Spider-Man says, wait a minute, why are you working for the Hobgoblin now? And Jack-O-Lantern says, oh, the, I, the, the answer to that question would startle you. And because this is, you know, because we don't want to end, you know, give you an answer to anything, we want you to read the next 10 to 15 issues and still not find out anything, I'm not going to tell you. So anyway, Jack gets away. Uh, Spider-Man becomes Peter again, and Nathan Lubinsky chews him out because he didn't show up for lunch. Wah, wah. Um, this is pretty typical of, of, you know, Tom DeFalco, I always like Tom DeFalco's writing on Spider-Girl, for example, but during his first run on Spider, Amazing Spider-Man, this is a typical story, he set up all kinds of stuff and didn't resolve any of them, you know, he set up the Hobgoblin thing and made that thing last an intolerable period of time, and he wasn't even on the title when when it finally got resolved. Theoretic when it theoretically was resolved the first time, uh, you know, characters were introduced we didn't see again. He just it, it went nowhere. Uh, and plus, I think starting in the two sixties, there were all kinds of fill in issues. I think Peter David filled in a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know, and part of it wasn't Defalco's fault. Part of it apparently was uh, Jim Shooter was. Uh, if you read uh, Jim Owsley slash. Christopher Priest, why well, never talk about Spider-Man article. Shooter was continually giving him other assignments, and he could never do, complete Spider-Man. And then Shooter would say, how come you're not completing Spider-Man? So, you know, I guess another reason Shooter was not the greatest boss in the world. But anyway, so, yeah, this was pretty typical of DeFalco's run. The uh, Jack-O-Lantern, I think, would be a good future Bertone's bios, because there's been several Jack-O-Lanterns over the years. Mackendale, uh, there's one in Captain America, Stephen Levins, I think his name. Uh, the there was, second Mysterio was Jack-O-Lantern first, too. Yeah, and then there was a Crime Master Jack-O-Lantern in the Venom Remender series. 
Yeah, that guy so. didn't have a face. I know. <laughs> anyway, I think that would be a good good one, Josh. What do you think? Maybe. Maybe. That's no, pretty no, well. No, no. I, 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 I had to mute because of the uh, fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be that they actually just brought back the other Jack O' Lantern and Venom again. Right, they did. He has like and a JR... really weird origin story too. He was like a trick or treater yeah. that got, like got abducted. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I agree. He got abducted J- by Bennett Brandt. Like, just give it the, <laughs> give it the weirdness that it deserves. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Jr., you we were just mentioning in the last episode about you've dropped Spider-Man several times. This is the only time in my history of Spider-Man I've dropped Spider-Man. Uh, I was because back in the day, 1984, I was uh, nine years old, and I relied on getting comic books off the spinner rack. And the last Amazing Spider-Man that I was able to get off the spinner rack was Amazing Spider-Man 251, right where he went into the Secret Wars. I was not able to find issue 252 on the spinner rack, nor was I able to find 253. So I went two months without getting an Amazing Spider-Man uh, comic. And it drove me nuts because that black costume was so hot. People were buying that thing left and right. And I had to find those two issues in the back issue bin. Not being able to find two issues is not the same thing as dropping the title, Brad. <laughs> well, I, for, for me, that's as close as I ever have gone in 30-plus years of dropping Spider-Man. So you're still far away. <laughs> it, it wasn't my intention to drop it, but uh, that uh, was two months of lack of Amazing Spider-Man. I think, anyway. that's, I think you didn't drop it so much as, I don't know, you, you it dropped me. the ball before picking it right back up. Jerry, you remember the spinner rack days. It was hit or miss you know, what I, you got. Yeah, well, I mean, I was about to say, Brad, now you're sounding like a cranky old man that goes, oh, back in my day, we had to buy the comics off the spinner rack. And, oh, my God, two months <laughs> it didn't there. You kids have it so easy nowadays with the direct market. So, uh Okay, I really was lying. I don't like it when you pick on me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you're just there. But yeah, Jr. Is there? Do you remember something off the spinner rack that you were was hard to get? These black costume issues were hard to find. I think on the spinner rack. Uh, by that time, I was going into the specialty shops to to get comics. I was. I really uh, wasn't buying off the spinner rack. Uh, Oh, I'm trying to think. It, well, actually, I never did buy it. Very seldom. We had a local newsstand, which, you know, uh, I usually had to have my mother pick up the issues for me, as I've recounted before. So, and then after a little bit, and then I had a mail subscription for a while, and uh, then after I dropped the title when Denny O'Neill was right, and then when I came back, I was uh, uh, starting to go to some specialty shops. So. I had three locations as a kid where I could go. I could go to the corner store, which had the best selection, the gas station, uh, to pick up uh, comics. A venture store. I don't know if that's on the east or the west coast, but in the Midwest there were venture stores. I didn't like the venture stores because on the comic books they didn't like the price that was instantly on the cover. They had to put a little sticker on the uh, comics. So when you got it home, you had to peel the sticker off, and every now and then it would take some of your cover off. And it said Venture, 60 cents. And I, I that was my least favorite place, but that's sometimes the only place you could get your comics. And the other one was a... Um, oh, what is the name of that? Uh, uh, grocery store. Queens. Queens. Are you used to buy comics at Queens or IGA stores? 
and they had a spinner rack, and that was the only three places I could get my comics. And if all three of those didn't have Amazing Spider-Man, I was screwed. So, not to throw that spider history. Oh, that is kind of a spider history. That's that's a spinner rack history. The Douglas history. The spy, the, I'm adding to spider history for you, Jr. Whoopee. <laughs> thanks, guys, thanks for the assist. You guys are cranky on a Saturday night. God damn, no wonder what the shit. Hey, I could be watching Star Trek Into Darkness for the seventh time. You know, I think I'm, I think I'm in the darkness with you right now. <laughs> Marvel Team Up 143 also came out with the horny uh, Star Fox. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> what? He, he, oh man, he, he gets to women, that Star Fox. There, there's, a, there's a particular She-Hulk story where, like, this is pretty much... Oh, uh, yeah. Star Fox is... Isn't he, is he Thanos' brother? I think he is. He looks like Stephen Baldwin in that one cover. <laughs> David Michelinie, Greg LaRouche wrote this one called Shifts and Planes, Jr. Yeah, Star Fox's power is the power to get laid, you know, yeah, so... That's exactly right. Yeah, Star Fox. Okay, he's another one of these terrific characters, you know, like <laughs> Silver Claw, Jack of Hearts, Cersei, Rage, Moon Dragon, the Monica Rambo, Captain Marvel, you know, the people who literally walk into Avengers Mansion, you know, with no prior history, no one knows who they are, no one has any idea what the powers are, they're made Avengers. But for one reason or another, Spider-Man's not good enough. You know, but all these losers instantly become Avengers, and Spider-Man doesn't become an Avenger until, for whatever reason, Brian Michael Bendis gets, you know, blackmails everybody into saying, I want Spider-Man in the Avengers, and they say, oh, sure, Michael, go right ahead. You know, we fought it for like 40 years, but yeah, if you want it, go right ahead. Anyway, uh, speaking of the Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, uh, in the, she was in the previous issue teaming up with Spider-Man, and they fought a mad scientist and his minions who had a plan. They built this giant generator uh, because they were going to reduce global overpopulation by transporting larger cities into other dimensions. <laughs> yeah and anyway oh, yeah yeah there that's is yeah and the, and the story is as certainly as good as it sounds spider-man is able to cause the spider-man over causes the dimensional machine to overload but as a result he turned captain marvel who can, i guess can go back from pure energy to human form well she's now stuck at pure energy and when you open you know and she's the color of a giant twinkie so basically she just you know <laughs> She, she looks like a giant Twinkie. Anyway, we, we find out that the reason she looks like a giant Twinkie is because th there's a generator, actually, that, that is still in another dimension generating. So that's why she looks this way. So Star Fox just happens to fly by. Hey, look, you know, I found this guy loitering around. He must be one of these evil mad scientists you guys are fighting. So he, he and Spider-Man decide to travel to this other dimension to destroy the generator. Okay. Well, anyway, so they, they go into this other dimension, and they meet a tribe of warrior females. Um, because the women do the fighting, and the men are a bunch of pussies. So, anyway, what, what happens is they find out that there's another tribe where the men are all assholes. And they're always attacking the tribe of the warrior women. 
and they're killing them off. But the warrior women, oh, by the way, happen to find this generator that's generating stuff, and every time one of the asshole men gets close, they disappear. So that's that's how the warrior women are able to survive. So Star Fox and Star Fox and Star Fox, Star Fox and Star <laughs> I guess he does, doesn't he? So, yes, he does. Yeah. Either word works. Anyway, <laughs> a- anyway, the warrior women are just all, there is a, a cute little scene where the warrior women are just all getting moist in the panties over Star Fox. I'm Star oh, my shit. Lord. Star Fox! And... <laughs> 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 oh, this man. comic is not approved by the Comics Code Authority. Evidently, oh man, I've had, an, I've had enough. I've had enough Freudian slips to last me the next well until 2018 with Spider-Man Four. <laughs> anyway, Spider-Man is very jealous of Star Fox, and then, yep. then what does he? <laughs> then this 12-year-old warrior woman comes over and says he's kind of cute. Spider-Man is kind of cute, and her name is Tamby. And Spider-Man says, "Tamby, you just made my day." Anyway, really, Tamby here's her name. Tamby was her name, and of course, fans of Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise will recognize the, that Tamby was also a uh, was was also a Ketchu's, uh half sister and uh, the and one of the enforcers for Darcy Parker. But that's another story. There you go, Jr. Yeah, I know, and I have to admit, reading Strangers in Paradise again, you know, here, you know, put a skirt on me, and here's my man card. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, so Star Fox and Spider-Man have this dilemma. Gee, if we destroy the generator, then the asshole men are going to overrun the warrior women, and that's a bad idea. But if we don't destroy the generator, Captain Marvel is going to look like a giant Twinkie for the rest of her life. So what do we do? Well, um... What the heck do they do? Oh, they go, Star Fox, Star Fox says, Spider-Man, we got to go and beat up the, the, the asshole men and tell them to leave the warrior women alone. And the warrior women say, oh, but if you do that, I mean, they're led, they're led by this, this guy called Will Killer. You know, and, first uh, last appearance of Will Killer. Will Killer. And, you know, he'll kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> he's so mean. Uh, so anyway, but that doesn't, but, Star Fox because Star Fox thinks well if I get if I get rid of Will Killer then I'll get laid by all these warrior women so they go over there and 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 of course Will Killer is another guy who speaks in the third person no one will crush Will Killer Will Killer will crush everyone so you know at, at first I said you know who talks in the third person uh, because you know would you know and then I used the example of would, does the Rock talk in the third person? person and then of course then everybody on the message board says yeah you dumbass the rock does talk in the third person so anyway so will killer uh says are you puny are you the puny man who will challenge will killer uh and spider-man says oh i will i'd love to but you know star fox i think will be willing to fight you hey star fox you want to fight this guy well then star fox gets acid indigestion and says oh i can't fight uh, oh no! You know, so Spider Man <laughs> Spider Man has to fight Will Killer, and after a fight that lasts uh, not quite, it's not quite as long and annoying as uh, uh, Superior Number Twelve. But anyway, it is come out, puny. It's not long and annoying. Come out, puny man. Will Killer wants to watch you bleed. Uh, and he <laughs> says other very articulate things. Uh, but then Spider Man kicks him over a cliff, and then. <laughs> And then all the asshole men turns out that they're really, you know, 
And oh. they all run away when Wilson <laughs> goes over the cliff. And so Jesus. So now the warrior women are saved, and Star Fox says, well, now I can get laid, and now all you warrior women can destroy the generator because you don't need it anymore to zap away the, 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 the men. And so then the... Well, as Star Fox starts putting the moves on one of the warrior women, I guess the automatic recall starts bringing him and Spidey home. And, you know, they go back into their regular dimension, and the Captain, Captain Marvel is human and no longer looks like a giant Twinkie. And Star, and Star Fox says, so, Spider-Man, it was a magnificent adventure, was it not? Spider-Man says... Uh, if it's all the same to you, I'll stick with the A train. Next month, Spider Man and Moon Knight. The man. Uh, Marvel the, team up. Way to go. I'm not classic. Continue. I mean, 143 issues of similar quality, huh? Pretty much with seven more to go. I know this. At 150, we're done with Marvel Team Up, but man, yeah. that one sounds so rough. And then we, and then we get the Web of Spider Man, which was. <laughs> Yeah, which had about as much uh, quality as Marvel Team Up. I, this one I found on the spinner rack. Also, I was excited because it's another early black suit appearance. Did the black suit do anything in here cool? Uh, it uh, made this trans. It, uh, Spider-Man put a transmitter on and it made it disappear. So yeah, yeah. That I mean, it was just showing the abilities of the symbiote. Which you earlier. think you think that if he was jealous. Of all of Star Fox getting the attraction of all the warrior women, he would use the symbiote to kind of like generate something else and said, "Hey, ladies, look at this!" And <laughs> but he didn't. You know, so. Yeah, I, I I love your assessment of Star Fox about how he just shows up at the mansion. Yeah, hey, let me join. Yep, and he did. Well, yeah, and, and uh, remember the Monica Rambo Captain Marvel. Remember how she became an Avenger? I mean, literally in like a, it, 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 amazing annual sixteen, I think, exactly, which was a big yeah. long advertisement to buy her upcoming magazine. You know, yeah, which, it was. It totally yeah, was. At least it was. A, at least it was in the same magazine you were already buying. Unlike this dumbass idea of making you pay two ninety nine for a Morbius plug. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what? Oh, go ahead. Anyway, anyway, you know how she becomes an Avenger. Anyway, she can't control her powers. Okay, so she's like about to like just blow up, and the, you know, but but for you know for some reason Iron Man's able to, to you know throw some cold water on her and and cool her down, and they literally say, hey, you want to join the Avengers? I mean, that's really how it happens. Go back and read it. That's how it happens. She can't control her power. Uh, they finally get a way to turn her off and says, well, you know, you can't control your power. You're going to need help. You want to join the Avengers. Meanwhile, Spider-Man can't join the Avengers because the government won't let him. So, <laughs> oh, God. He's a, he's a loner, yeah. Okay. Um, also came out this uh, month, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number 92, uh, first appearance of The Answer. And The Answer is, is the name of the book, written and drawn by Al Milgr Milgram. Oh, yeah, Al Milgram. Yeah, this was a classic run. Uh, this was, uh, Milgram took over for Bill Mantlo. And uh, this this is where we you know leading up to issue 100 where Spider-Man and the Black Cat separate and and uh, the quality just pretty well goes downhill uh, with Milgram with Milgram. Yeah, this. not a fan of his art. I was so disappointed when he took over Secret Wars two. Yeah. So anyway, the issue starts off with uh, in the headquarters of the Kingpin. Yeah. And the Kingpin is doing 20 questions with another gaudily dressed villain who can only speak in one syllable words. 
This is how it goes. You know I seek information. Villain, yes. And you think you are capable of gathering it for me? Villain, yes. It will be dangerous. Villain, yes. <laughs> Rewards will be great. Villain, yes. Very well. <laughs> you attack Spider-Man, humble him if you can. Villain, yes. Okay, and that is how the first page goes. Damn. I mean, don't you really want to read the next 21 after this? No. no. Yes, no. Spider-Man and the Black Cat... <laughs> Spider-Man and the Black Cat are hanging upside down from a water tower, kissing in a prelude to, uh, well, no, actually, in the 2002 movie, Odin, Spider-Man was upside down, and Mary Jane was right side up. Uh, and that's, but if you think about it, this is one of the only upside-down kisses I can think of when, when that first movie came out. Yeah, but this doesn't have, well, I was going to say this doesn't have the advantage of uh, being in the rain and, and, and seeing Kirsten Dunst nipple out. But then again, <laughs> that, then again, I never liked Kirsten done so that didn't do anything for me whatsoever but you liked her nipples anyway uh (laughs) i didn't like anything about her nipples or not anyway so but this is that that was actually what do you remember another upside down kiss besides this issue you're about to tell me aren't you (laughs) i'm not setting you up i mean this this is the only one i can think of before the movie that happened in this issue well, this is a pretty special issue, then, isn't it? Go on, go on to the back issue, Ben, and pay seven fifty for this one, kids. Uh, well, a hundred thousand at least. Yeah. yeah. What if you had the printing press of it? That's <laughs> eh, just a goddamn stamp. Gee. <laughs> now we're getting quick Chris quotes. Quotes. Go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. Sir. Hornet, Hornet, yeah, Hornacek decided that he was tired of making me look like a loon by printing all my loony quotes, so now he's gone after Chris. And Except he says Chris is clever and has a dry, dry wit, you know. He does, you know? he does. Whereas he just has me saying crazy things, you know. I can't Would you imagine? I didn't say half those things he attributes to me. Anyway, <laughs> all right, so anyway, Spider-Man is trying to talk to the black cat about his Peter Parker problems. Uh, because, you know, as we knew in Amazing Spider-Man, he was worried about his Spectacular Spider-Man problems, so we'd buy Spectacular Spider-Man. So now in Spectacular Spider-Man, he's talking about his problems in Amazing Spider-Man, so that if we're buying Spectacular but not Amazing, we'll go buy Amazing, okay? Uh, but apparently neither issue refers to Star Fox. So apparently, you know, they, they weren't really proud of that one because they're not promoting it. Anyway. He tells Felicia all his worries, but because Felicia is being written like an absolute dipshit these last 12 issues or so, she doesn't give a shit. So, anyway, so she goes off, and Spider-Man says, boy, you know, boy, she's hot. And he says, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I I just realized that uh, I I left Flash Thompson when he really wanted to have a heart-to-heart with me. I wonder what he wanted to talk about. about. Well, next, next page is... Flash Thompson and Shashan in a in a in a moment which will uh, which oh, will have been referenced by Mister Batoni in the past uh, because uh, Shashan is wondering where Flash can be. He walks in looking all beat up, and Shashan gives her you know her signature quote by the Buddha. Dropping <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches everywhere. Oh, man. oh man. I mean, if you couldn't tell she was Asian, you know, it's almost like, boy, you know, Al Milgram, who's writing and drawing, he probably drew her three panels and he said, oh, my gosh, you know what? Nobody can tell she's Asian by the way I draw her. So I know what? I will have her say something very stereotypically Asian or what I consider stereotypical. 
typically Asian. And then people realize she's Asian. So she says, by the Buddha. Uh, you know, what <laughs> the Buddha. <laughs> Wicked this way comes. And Flash, oh, you know, Flash says, ah, none of your damn business, you know, slanty-eyed woman. Uh, go make me a sandwich. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. Uh, but we all, know, we all know Flash looks beaten up because he's trying to, uh, we find out later that he's trying to latch onto a football team. Uh, and uh, also screw Betty Bryant at the same time. But that's another story. All right. Now we go back to Spider-Man, who's trying to catch a few Zs. And then... Um, and, but then Felicia is tapping on his door, his window. She says, Spider, hurry, get dressed. I think someone is following me. And, of course, you know, Peter's thinking, oh, shit, following you. And he is so distracted, he <laughs> leaps out of his bed, and he's wearing only his underwear, which probably Stella has three copies of this one, because I think, <laughs> you know, I think there was one time during one more day where he was like, Hanging on the hanging on the wall or something when Carly was trying to come in, he was in his underwear and Stella was salivating over that one. So I imagine she's got three copies of this. Anyway, so you know, so Spider, you know, he changed the Spider-Man. He says, "Felicia, you dumb bitch." I mean, you know, you say someone's following you, and yet where do you come to my friggin' apartment? Uh, but then, mm-hmm. his spider, but then his spider sense goes off, and he sees this really tacky-looking supervillain. And he says, hey, why are you following the black cat? What do you want? Okay, and here's how the villain responds. Well, those are all very good questions, Spider-Man, and I am the answer. <laughs> da, da, da. Who's on first? Who's on first? <laughs> that was, uh, you know, I mean, wow. You know, boy, you, you think about man, this is really a badass dude now. You know, he, he is the answer. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, wasn't there a DC Comics character called The Question? He didn't have a face or something? This would be the answer. This is, yeah, the answer. The, no, the question was Ditko, wasn't he? Didn't Ditko you moved, you moved to DC, but yeah, he's a Ditko creation. Yeah, right, right. Okay, but the question had no face. Correct. I, I, like, I like the sitcom that the two of them did together, where they shared an apartment <laughs> and tried to open yeah, was, a muffin factory. Question and it was answer. Called, yeah, it was Q and A. It was a great show <laughs> <laughs> on NBC. Can can two such extremely different superpowered people live in the same apartment without driving each other crazy? Here's his gunshot sound. Over. Here's his here's his powers. He always has the answer. That's his power. Spider-Man tries to snag him with his webbing and misses. Holy crap, how did I miss you? Well, the answer explains, by studying you, I learned about your remarkable agility and the webbing you use. The answer to those questions is dazzling, blinding speed. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Remember, and remember when we had a, we had a supervillain a few issues ago called, uh, oh, hell, we were doing a, another one of those. It was one of those Marvel team. Oh, he was the authority. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. He knew everything because he was the authority. Because he, um, yeah, his uh, dad was a crime lord that he accidentally killed because he didn't know he's a crime lord. So he was going to not know anything again. He became the authority. Well, this guy is the answer. Okay, so we get a few more pages of this crap, uh, <laughs> and the answer gets the drop on Spider-Man. You know, and it says, "Aha!" Because of. Oh, stamina and speed, those are the answers. I always have the answers. And then, you know, starts hitting Spider-Man with hundreds of punches, you know, in quick succession. Spider-Man becomes unconscious. Then the black cat jumps in and says, you know, that's enough. And the answer realizes, whoa, I'd better stay away from this chick, you know, because, like, she's got bad luck powers. And, you know, I'm only, you know, I'm only going to get myself in trouble if I fight her. So he flies away. 
and then he runs back and reports through the kingpin. And the last page, we're back in the kingpin's penthouse. All right. Kingpin, interesting. You say this new costume of his mended itself, seemed almost to be alive? Answer, yes. Your assessment of Spider-Man's powers and abilities seem to be accurate? Yes. Our estimation of the Black Cat's abilities, this seemed accurate as well? Yes. And the Black Cat seemed unaware that there was even more to her bad luck power than she was led to believe? Yes. <laughs> Very well, then. Things are going according to plan. You will you will be available if I have need of your services again. Of course. Whoa, threw me for a loop there. I mean, uh, so, oh, they swerve. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Boy, Amazing Spider-Man number 92. Another typical issue in the uh, epic Milgram run. Spec, spec Spidey. The, uh, the answer... Uh, also, he hasn't been in that much, but he he's he's been around. I mean, he survived more than some of these other people. Yes. What was the name? What was the name of that uh, villain in Marvel team? Have you just had the Will somebody? Will Killer. Will, Will Killer. That one never appeared again. I don't think. But the answer's been around. Hey, 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 stupid villain names. The Will okay. Killer. And the answer. Uh, little kids who are listening to the podcast, cover your ears. All right. What does the answer say during sex? What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, he, he, after the awful appearance in Spec, it looks like he next appeared in Lethal Foes of Spider-Man. Remember that miniseries, Jr. Yes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and then it that was, I guess, in the early '90s. And then he was gone for like a decade, and then appeared during Civil War War Crimes mini. And he was during Civil War, dang. It's it was a like a one shot Civil War war crimes, and then he was in New Avengers thirty five, and um, well, those minis around the time, wasn't he? Yeah, like breakout or toxin or something. I feel like I remember him getting thrashed pretty quickly in something. Yeah, he also appeared in Amazing Spider Man five fifty two to five fifty three. I don't know what went down there. Here, let me see. Here, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Uh, he appeared in Brand New Day as one of the villains in the bar confronting Spider-Man in 552. Oh, who gives a rat's ass? There were 20 yeah. villains in that bar. I know. Anyway, the answer is yes, he's been around. So, JR, good month, bad month. It sounds like you didn't like this month. There's three turds, I think. Well, the answer is... <laughs> no, no, this was... Well, you know, issue, Amazing 254 really wasn't a turd. It was just... It was an okay issue, but what kind of the point I was making with that was just, you know, it... it, it when you read the rest of the Falco's run, it, you could see him setting up stuff, you know, that, that never pay off. Um, but, you know, the issue itself alone wasn't bad, but... Yeah. What is it about when Milgram came on? Why did they want to break Black Cat up with Spider-Man? Oh, because I, people can't people couldn't relate to him having a regular girlfriend. Was it Mil- <laughs> readers couldn't? Was it Milgram or was it Mantlo that introduced the "she can't take it" when he takes his mask off? I think it was Mantlo. Um, yeah, I, I 
think it, it all went downhill after that. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, they just they just decided to turn her into an absolute ditz. I mean, it was yeah. Whenever whenever Marvel, whenever something surprises Marvel, you know, like they have, it's like these guys, you know, they have these plans what they're going to do, and then like if a character or something or a concept becomes popular, you know, they don't like it, and so they try to sabotage it, you know, because yeah. it wasn't their idea and they don't like it. So then, you know, they decide so the plaque uh, Felicia turned out, I think, to be a, a very popular character, more popular than they anticipated. So it's like, yep. well, you know, we actually can't have Spider-Man have a, a, a have a uh, a girlfriend uh, girlfriend who's his in, who's his equal and who's crafty and interesting and everything. So let's make her make her an utter total ditz so that people yeah. will eventually hate her. And that's what happened. I mean, basically, it was like, you know, we couldn't wait to see her go because she was such. Moron. And, and as a kid, and like I said, I was nine years old in '84, and I—that's I, what made Speck a little bit different. He had a girlfriend in this one, mm-hmm. and who was a crime fighter with him, and that—that that set it apart from Amazing. It made that book—that was a different literal chapter of his life. Exactly, but you couldn't relate to it, so therefore they got rid of her. <laughs> I was nine. I did relate no, to no, it. No, I, no, 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 you can't <laughs> relate to her. You can't, you know, you can't, okay. you know, you couldn't really. Just like you can't, you know, just for example, uh, we don't want Spider-Man, you know, we busted up his marriage because that gets away from the core of who he is. Yet, he's also on half a dozen Avengers teams because Brian Bendis wants to sell more comics, you know. So, even though that's a deviation from the core uh, principle, we'll ignore that. So, yeah. All right. Good stuff as usual, Jr. Let's go on to our other segment, Bertoni's bios. Bertoni, who are we tackling this month? Who are we looking at? Um, the man getting executed, possibly in Superior Spider-Man, Alistair Smythe, or um, as I like to call him, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> this ought to be good. Go ahead. Well, has anyone read his uh, first appearance? It's in the uh, who? Uh, it, it was uh, in the Mary Jane trade paperback, uh, Face of Tiger, I think. It's been years. Go ahead. What was his first appearance? Amazing Spider-Man Annual 19. And uh, here, let me... Actually, uh, it won't let me copy that image, but there's a picture of him, and he looks exactly like Ron Jeremy. This character's a complete joke. He's, like, working in the Kingpin's attic, and it it looks like... Imagine if Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park and, like, Ron Jeremy had a child... And that child never bathed or shaved, and um, and he took over comic book guy from the Simpsons uh, attic. That, that that that's basically you know the scenario that we have. He's he's a scientist working for the Kingpin in this first issue, and like the girls from the office, because like for some reason Kingpin has like a traditional office with like all these different secretaries. They they say I don't like the way that this guy's always leering at us. He's so weird. And Kingpin basically fires this guy because he's useless to him, which um, breaks the heart of a thousand Kingpin Alistair Smythe shippers that will be born um, during the 90s show. And he he has this plan involving this hat. It's it, There was a weird like thing going on in the early Web of Spider-Man issues with this hat, and it's traded hands, and now Mary Jane and Anna Watson have it. And he thinks he's able to determine that Spider-Man's aunt has this hat because he had a tracer on it and it showed the card that Peter gave Aunt May and it says to my aunt. So when Anna Watson's trying on the hat, um, he kidnaps Anna Watson and Mary Jane and realizing that Anna Watson is Mary Jane's aunt, he thinks that Mary Jane is Spider-Man. The guy is complete as a complete idiot and he's like always going on. He, 
says some really like creepy, suggestive things to Mary Jane. And uh, he talks about his relationship with his late father, who was Spencer Smythe, the first Spider Slayer inventor. And he's like, yes, I didn't see him anymore. He would only come to Mom's house to yell about Spider-Man. Sometimes he would come and he wouldn't even see me. So supposedly this yeah. guy, like Spencer Smythe, would go to his ex-wife's house to yell at his ex-wife about Spider-Man, which, like, <laughs> which, like, like, which like, sounds really weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Spencer Spencer Smythe is a Ditko villain, Amazing Twenty Five. Yeah, ma- yes. Amazing Twenty. Yes, <laughs> who slowly like became like a, a, a mad supervillain after being like a very yeah. very well adjusted guy in his like first mm-hmm. appearance. He's like, oh well, drop to back to the drawing board, and then like the next time you see him, aha, you aha, it. Man. <laughs> right, right, man. yeah, and and Spencer is uh, a. You guys talk about legacy villains or legacy heroes. He's a literal legacy character in the Marvel Universe. He's a second-generation villain. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, well <laughs> Alistair, Alistair, not Spencer. Spencer's... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Spencer's well, the dad. Sorry, I got my Smythe Smiths. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you see this guy's butt crack as he's, like, bending over, and, like, Mary Jane is able to completely, like, manipulate this guy by, like, you know, flirting with him a little and, like, saying, yes, I became Spider-Man because aliens left me an exoskeleton. He's like, oh, that's very fascinating. Um, the real Spider-Man <laughs> comes, the day is saved, and his... He, he he's like flying this like flying saucer spider slayer that looks ridiculous. He's like, yes, my father used spider sensors, but this is much more practical. Mm-hmm. And um, the cops tell Spider Man <laughs> after this guy gets electrocuted, no, don't worry, you know, we see him moving, he's all right, we don't have to worry about him. So that's the last we see of him for about two years, and the next time we see him is when um, the storyline where Peter proposes to Mary Jane, and um, a- according to the monologue that he gives him there. The electrocution, um, his machine wasn't insulated that much, so, which is the opposite of what the guy said in that story. The cop's like, oh, that thing's insulated, he'll be fine. He's crippled. He now no longer looks like Ron Jeremy. He's lost a lot of weight. He's in a wheelchair now. He's crippled, and he has to be fed through a feeding tube. And um, he goes after Mary Jane, thinking that that'll lead him to Spider-Man, and... um, his robots are, he, he's taken a little more seriously this time, you know, he's not, like, lusting after, like, girls all the time being disgusting. His plan actually works, and he he winds up tracking Spider-Man to Pittsburgh, was it Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, I don't remember, wherever Mary Jane was. Uh, uh, Philadelphia, let's say. No, Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it was Pittsburgh, too. Yeah. Oops. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he's defeated by he's defeated by Spider Man and Mary Jane. And Spider Man gives him like, like a beating, saying like, "Don't you ever go near Mary Jane or anyone you know that I love again." You got it. And he's like, "Okay, yes, sir." So then the next time you see him, the '90s have thrown up all over him. Um, it was in the <laughs> like it's a great line. Oh yeah, he he's the complete opposite of like the first time you saw him. He's got abs, like muscles. Yeah, a mullet, you know, like, um, he's encased himself in, like, you know, cybernetics now, and it's enabled him to walk. Um, he's taken over, like, he escaped from an insane asylum and took a bunch of people with them, and each of those people, like, have to, like, control a robot and go after Spider-Man. And it's Mark Bagley art. It's really interesting. Like, at one point, you see um, the Robot Master's robot from um, the Mendel Strom story back in issue 37... Yeah, it would have been 37, because 38 was a guy named Joe. And uh, 
it's the art's really good, but it, it ends with Spider-Man like going the fights, you know, mullet ab Smythe. Who he's like, you can walk. He's like, that's right, cybernetics. And then and Smythe defeats him. And then like because the book is going to end in a few pages, Smythe kills a guy, and Spider-Man says no, wakes up and punches him, and that's the end of that. After being you know defeated earlier. The next, the next time you see him, which um, I completely missed this appearance until like an hour before the show, I was like, oh, he was in those bad Scarlet Spider books. So I had to dig through my Clone mm. Saga stuff to find these. And um, because it's the Clone Saga and because it's the 90s, instead of Spider Slayers, guess what he has? What? Cyber Slayers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like some 90s. Yeah, Virtual I got spider I got spider slayers up in your internet, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's some, and I did not reread these books because I didn't have the time. I just skimmed through to try and remember like what happened, and like there's internet stuff going on, and like he's fighting Lady Octopus because she's around at the time. He's calling himself the Ultimate Slayer, which he started doing in in the last series, but otherwise he, he's just been Smythe. And um, right. you know he was never called the Spider Slayer, but a- anyway, you know uh, Lady Octopus defeats him. Yeah, I know it's, it's tragic. Lady Octopus defeats him, and the next time we see him is and let me make sure I have this right. Yeah, it's in the Burn Mackey reboot where he looks slightly more normal. Um, he explains that those cybernetics that he wore, he doesn't need them anymore, but um, but having them on for so long cured him, so he can now walk and. He looks slightly more normal. It's, it was a really bad Howard Mackey story, and I think, was it Eric Larson doing the arts and, like, phoning it in? Uh, <laughs> Which artist was phoning it in? Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think, like, Amazing 15 or 13 or something like amazing that. Amazing 20 and 21, and he, he, okay. goes, he goes after Jameson for, like, the first time in his, because, like, now, like, that's just shtick, just he'll always go after Jameson, but this is the first time that, like, Smythe actually does, and in his, in his first appearance, um, he's like, oh, cool, I'm going to defeat Spider-Man in front of Jameson, he's the one who made my father do all this stuff, but otherwise, his Madon's usually been for Spider-Man, um... He, he's, like, blackmailing Jameson, threatening to kill Marla Madison and John Jameson, which is kind of some funny foreshadowing. And um, even more foreshadowing, he, he, his Spider Slayers fight Spider-Man by using his brainwaves, which is, you know, another thing that happens again in slots. And it's... Um, most of what I got from looking through these again is, oh, yeah, this is that era where Peter was living with Randy Robertson, and Randy Robertson's like, you need to get laid, man. Come on. Mary Jane's been dead for, like, five minutes. Why aren't you out getting laid? <laughs> and, and Jill <laughs> Stacy and Glory Grant were there. But um, Spider-Man defeats the Spider-Slayers, and Jameson beats Alistair Smythe with a baseball bat. So, Hell, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I forgot beating back in the 90s. Damn. Oh yeah, everyone was using bats. And um the next time That puts that puts us up to about year two thousand. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the next time you're seeing him is um Slot started using him in She Hulk to like a- attack Jameson's mm. and Spider Man's for various things. And he yeah. became the Spider Slayer, which like now everyone's calling him in uh in the big time arc where he's using cybernetics again as he is now. He was famously used a lot in the 90s animated series where he was yes. voiced by... Um, anyone, ever yeah. see, anyone ever see Grease 2? Oh, the the guy... Uh, yeah, the the main guy in Grease. Yeah, he was the, 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 the cool oh. ride. Cool what, what was that actor's name? He was in Dynasty. 
Michael um, Caulfield or something, or yeah, Michael Caulfield. Yeah, he, he was like a British or Australian. Ex- uh, no, he was supposed to be Olivia Newton John's cousin. Is no her- Maxwell Caulfield. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's my yeah. voice, but David Warner. I got that really wrong. No, that was uh, that was uh, Herbert Landon. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, because on the 90s show, uh, Smythe had, had, like, this love triangle with Kingpin and Herbert Landon. Because uh, <laughs> he, was, he was the Kingpin's, like, right-hand man, and then Kingpin dumps in for Herbert Landon, leaving Smythe heartbroken. But it's okay, because he had legs, and then started working for Baby Silvermane, and things got really weird. And this is where uh, Chris and Don can just do a bunch of Alistair Smythe quotes from the 90s yeah, show. I thought you just my trajectories. Yeah, um, yes, that's the one. I thought you were working for the Kingpin. I did, but my current employer is also your enemy. <laughs> <laughs> my father, did he get out? <laughs> I was an associate of your father's, and now I'd like to be an associate of yours. I don't need <laughs> associates. Together, you will find the one responsible for your father's disappearance, Spider-Man. <laughs> you go on for hours. Oh, oh my! It'll be just your size when it's finished. <laughs> That's why you're working for Osborn. I absolutely hated Smythe in the animated series. What? He's, he's, he's like levels and levels of awesome. Why uh, didn't no. you tell me before? Because you never gave me the chance to test it. He knew it, Spider-Man. <laughs> Starting with the 90s animated series, when I made the jump to the comic books, I think I was always a little bit surprised that. Smythe wasn't around somewhere. Like, yeah, they put him. Big... They put him up to Green Goblin status. I mean, he was he was evidently one of the biggest bad guys of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. Well, he did like like they had in the comics like like since Spencer Smythe tied Jameson and Spider-Man to the bomb, but like in the third I think episode they had Smythe like uh, Alice Alex... Spencer Smythe. Yeah, yeah, because Spencer he... Smythe lasted what like two minutes in the animated series. He well, no, because he, he came back. <laughs> it was right on that he turned, he turned to Sleeping Beauty, and like and like, like Smythe turns to the Ultimate Slayer. And then he he goes down in the sewer and says, "You know, I will I will wake you from your sleep, Father, and we shall wreak against our enemies terrible revenge." And we never see him again. <laughs> and then in the, yeah. in, the, in the Secret Wars, Smythe takes over an entire alien planet for the, oh. <laughs> for reasons. And then, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate Smythe. <laughs> he, he was he was there so that. The Kingpin would have someone like give exposition to, like you know, sort of the show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because that show needed more exposition. And then he teamed <laughs> up with like Harry Osborn to make like the Goblin Robo War. It was like it was like these like Goblin Spider Slayers on like like these Spider Slayers on Goblin Gliders, the Goblin Robo Warrior. Oh, <laughs> I need more, Smythe. Okay, good. Goblins and Legacy of Evil. Damn. Damn, damn. Uh, any other comments about Mr. Smythe, Josh? That was good. He knows his trajectories. Don't 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 question him on his trajectories. I swear to God, he knows. I will I will say this because I have I have yet to read I think I mentioned this before, but I've not read the storyline where uh James's wife dies. Can someone explain to me like why he has like, you know, a totem like a helmet stuck to his head? Like, Cybernetics. Just cause oh, he does. Cause stuff. Cause <laughs> comics. Yeah, because okay. Dan Slot, Slot, Chris, Chris, come on, we my, need you. We need, um, need your question. My biggest uh, no, question is why does he have a Spider-Man symbol on his chest when that's what he's supposed to be fighting against? It's like yeah, he joined he the plays. club. It's, it's like yeah. having a mosquito on a can of bug spray. 
It's like the Joker <laughs> having a bat symbol on his chest. Oh, that's good. If you that's ever good. get a chance, read Alistair Smythe's first story, which is um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 19. It is a very, very big culture shock. If all you know of Alistair Smythe is the 90s show yeah. and like what Slot's been doing, he is a joke of a character, a pervert of a character. But, I mean, one thing that's interesting is he was working with Kingpin in his first appearance. <laughs> and oh. 19, number 19, the annual, has a great... It's a Romita Senior cover, isn't it? With yeah. Mary Jane... Doing a Superman impression like where she job. rips open her shirt, and he's like one of the few yeah, people in the '90s show to actually punch somebody because like, he actually hauls off and punches the kingpin in the gut, which was satisfying to watch. <laughs> he punched oh. him in the one place he's guaranteed not to feel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the kingpin got like pissed. He like picked up Smythe's uh, like hover chair, like ah, oh, you're skyping with Peter Parker, you know, trying to betray me. <laughs> And then, they, and then they strip him and like dip him in like acid. It was for weird. some reason like paraplegic has has six, six pack abs. Jr. We haven't heard from you. Do you like Smythe? No, I don't like Smythe either. He's one of my least favorite Spider-Man villains. Yeah. Anyway, Jr. gets <laughs> the answer. And the answer for Jr. JR is, is no, I mean, I, ha- I had my I had my segment. This is Bertoni's segment. So. <laughs> I know. In the comics, he is, he is very annoying. In, in, in the show, he's like unparalleled awesome. Oh, I don't agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, 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 puts the, he puts the kingpin in his place, you know, like tells him, you didn't let me test this shit. You questioned my trajectories, you know, like you brought the hobgoblin here. I told you not to team up with him. That's funny. All right, I think it's time for Spider Satellites. Kevin, what do we got this month? Well, here's the thing, Brad. Yeah, I realized that I've been a little bit, uh, what's the word I used, crotchety on tonight's uh, podcast episodes. And the reason I think why is because I went back over my notes for these comics before the show started, Uh-oh, right. and they mostly suck so bad. The satellites oh. do? <laughs> yeah, we got Damn. a bad month here, bro. Um, okay. All right, so we have... Five comics, that's one issue of each of the current satellites, although, you know, the number of satellites is about to explode. But for now, we're going to start off, yes, your favorite and mine, Venom. Okay. Venom number 36. Flash's (laughs) life sucks for the 36th issue in a row. (laughs) Demonstrated again. And then the student girl that lives in his building sees a uh, sees the symbiote throw a football from Flash's arm. I shit you not. Um, <laughs> could this girl be the teenage girl symbiotic character coming in a few months that we've already seen on covers and gotten a name for? Don't, oh don't, no! Don't. I must contain my surprise. Then, in pursuit of some thugs, this comic book basically becomes one of the more outlandish 90s cartoons when he creates the Venom-mobile. What? That was bad. Complete with a big big honking tongue and a vanity plate that says Agent Venom, just in case the rest of the car was too friggin' subtle. You're kidding me. No, there's teeth coming out of this Venom car, right? I'm not kidding you. He calls it in the narration, there's big letters... The Venom Mobile. It's got it's like tricked out overdrive thing, but for Venom, it's got a big old toothy smile with a gigantic tongue in the front. Oh God! It is the Venom Mobile. <laughs> God damn it, no! <laughs> yeah, I think we is... have a picture of it in the review on the front page. I could be wrong. Yeah, it looks like. Okay. Oh man, it, lo- it looks like 
you know those like toys from the nineties where like it's a truck yeah. but you like pull something and it yep. like its mouth opens up with the teeth. It looks exactly like that only with a big venom tongue coming out. It's it's like it's like pr- practically a Happy Meal toy looking thing. It's ridiculous. Had that not already happened in this series, this would definitely be the shark jumping moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> crap, the shark did an encore. Uh, We've had another car in the in the series? No, no, no. The shark had already been jumped in the series, is what I meant. Oh, I see what you're talking um, about. Yes. But wait, there's more. Here you go, Don. It, Here's a picture of the Venom over. car. The, the right Venomobile there. isn't the cliffhanger. We've still got more crap to get through. Um, he finally meets the new crime boss, Lord Ogre, who, honest oh. to God, subdues the once fearsome Venom with a few dogs. <laughs> and then after Lord Ogre runs away because he's so badass... Venom finds out that he's also a human trafficker, not just a drug lord, because, hey, that worked in Scarlet Spider, so why not rip it off? <laughs> um, that's it. Grade is F. What the F? What the actual F? F this. F me. <laughs> I'm effing done with this title. I literally uh, have... That so 90s. It is off yeah. my pull list. We're done. Um, yeah, in the next Spider Cell Lights, I'm going to have to review this because Kevin yeah, I, texted me and says, I'm done. I had a conversation <laughs> with Brad about not buying books I hate anymore. Um, so from now on, Brad's going to take over Venom. He's also going to take uh, the new Superior Foes book, and he'll be taking Superior <laughs> Carnage uh, starting next month. Wish me luck. Thank Brad. Does anyone remember that awesome, like, Flash Thompson story during the Jam D. Mateus Luke Ross run where he was an alcoholic and he had to, like, you know, go go to meetings and stop drinking and how hard that was for him? Remember that? Now look at that uh, Venom picture and look at what this character's doing now with the Venom-mobile. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Um... <laughs> So we have one F out of five. Uh, yeah, that we're not done. Out of five books. Um, let's just yeah. also note that if we're talking about not reading books I hate, I would not be continuing Morbius if it wasn't for the fact that, A, I can't physically drop a Morbius book, and, B, it's ending in three issues, thank God. Yep. Anyway, that's not next, though. Next um, is Avenging Spider-Man number 22, which is the final issue, quote-unquote, of Avenging Spider-Man. Kind of. A little punish, punisher action in this one. Yeah. Um, so Otto goes after a bungling Mysterio wannabe, and he runs into the Punisher, who, of course, is a bit happier with Otto's methods than he was with Peter's, but he's got to give him a warning about going down paths and blah, blah, self-righteous, blah, because he's the Punisher. And uh, it turns out that this new crappy Mysterio was actually one of the Hobgoblin's branding deals. Um in the end, Punisher and Hobgoblin both get away, because, yeah. Uh, which <laughs> leaves crappy Mysterio to be imprisoned with the actual Sinister Six, since the actual Mysterio's in the Ultimate Universe right now, and I guess Chris Yost wanted Otto to have a full set, and this was the only way he could figure out to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. This one gets a C-. Um, given props for the Hobgoblin twist, but in general, it was just it was just lackluster. Uh, it didn't do much for me. And this is the last issue of Avenging Spider-Man. Next uh, month, it's going to be retitled Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, so I hope that does something to kick him into gear. I don't know, but we'll see. Will that start with the number one? Yeah. Yep. Superior, Superior Spider-Man, Spider-Man Team-Up, team-up number, number one. one. And you got uh, that yeah. in stereo. 
I, I've got a True. question about this issue. When mm-hmm. when Spider-Man's beating up Mysterio, he asks, how did you escape the other universe? What did I miss? When did Mysterio go to another universe? Spider-Man, when, written by Bendis, where he teamed up with Miles Morales. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that is the... I was going to yeah. say that th- that's not the question. The question is, how does Otto know about it? But I guess he retained that from Peter's memories. Yeah, he's got uh, yeah, Which actually means Otto knows about the Ultimate Universe, which is interesting. That's true. Man, that would have been a good place for a footnote. <laughs> Remember when they had those? I missed those. Come on, guys. You all read no, comics. They still got them. They've only got them in places that are really obvious already. <laughs> no, no, they have them on Twitter. <laughs> Read Amazing Fantasy 15 to know what happened. Exactly. <laughs> see, see Dan Slot's Twitter account. That's what the footnotes are these days. I, yeah, I was really surprised. Really what, surprised? what, Bertone? I was really surprised with how uh, with how it ended. I did not think that we would end the book with Mysterio in glass with the other Sinister Six members. That was a big surprise and departure from what the comic's been doing with their endings lately. His mutant talent, sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what else we got? Like, we got an like we've got, we got the rest of the six, and we got this guy named Mysterion who has just been made a crappy Mysterio. Like he's put the other guys in these cages evidently because he thinks he owes them something or some crap. What is this guy doing there? It can be for nothing except that Yost wants a full set and aesthetic appeal. Yeah, it's just weird. I cannot get my eyes off of the stupid Venomobile, but never mind. (laughs) I know that really. I think that point of the story is where it even went bad for me. And I like the Venom book a lot more than Kevin does. But when that appeared, that that was the WTF moment for me. What the hell? (laughs) Okay. So far, we've got an F and a C minus. What are you going to do for our average when we've got Morbius up next? Uh, we're going. To, we're flunking the class. We're going to F again. <laughs> yeah, we're taking the F train. Um, yeah. <laughs> Morbius six. Morbius six. Damn. Dear God. Um, the Superior Spider-Man beats up Morbius and drags him back to Horizon Labs, where there's been a break-in with only Morbius' stuff taken. Max Modell, because he apparently doesn't actually keep records of the crazy super science stuff he's got in the building, needs Morbius to help figure out what and why. And in return, he'll try to help cure him, because I'm sure Max has never tried to help him before, and this is a totally new thing he's going to do for him. And I'm sure the answer is right around the corner, even though Morbius has been trying to do this his whole life. Um, I love that Ock is continuing the trend that Peter had, which is just to kick Norbius's ass when he first sees him. Jesus. Um, well, the great thing here, too, is that uh, Ock's hanging there during the interrogation saying, uh, like, this, he could have done this himself, but it's beneath him. Or, no, it's not beneath him. He doesn't have the time. He literally says he doesn't have the time, except that in this comic, he goes to Brownsville to get Morbius, sits in on the interrogation, and then goes along for the whole investigation. What didn't you have the time for, dude? It's just, it's a ridiculous premise. And if you want your premises even more ridiculous, as they're investigating, the robber conveniently returns to the scene of the crime to tell them who she is um, and basically what her motivation was before she returns to the Rose to let the audience know that she's given him the ability to make an ultimate nullifier because Venom hadn't jumped the shark enough. 
ultimate nullifier, which will destroy the universe as an, as and scared Galactus off in the Fantastic Four Forty Eight. Didn't the yeah, Rose have that last month? Everything, things. Damn. Um, cause, and you know, the Rose in Brownsville is totally the guy that would have one. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, Reed, Reed Richards and the Rose. Yep, yeah. got it. So this is F-tastic. This is <laughs> well put. Man, this is one of the stupidest man. things I've ever read. I mean, I was, I was thinking, you know, it's, we got the Superior Spider-Man in here. We're taking a departure from this terrible first story. Maybe this is where the book picks up. And I swear to God, it just got stupider. Mm. This this book is literally tanking too. I don't know if you saw the uh, the sales chart for the uh, last couple months, but man, in the direct market, what are we selling? Nineteen thousand copies of this Something thing? Like that I mean, honestly, I, it's ending at number nine, and he's getting to finish out like his first story apparently. But I'm surprised they haven't just already yanked it, considering the low numbers. Yeah, I'm I'm actually trying to pull it. Here we go. Uh, the debut issue of Morbius, forty three thousand in the direct market. Uh, issue two twenty five thousand, issue three twenty thousand, four seventeen thousand, issue five fifteen thousand. Yeah, we actually don't have numbers on six yet, huh? No. Well, that would, six it, would probably have a little bit of a boost because of Spider Man on the cover, but still, I don't think it's going to do much. I mean, a horrible showing for this, and and it just barely outsold Red She Hulk. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can tell it started off with a good looking audience, and it's just shed. Thousands of readers. Every oh God! Time. Don't say shed. Don't play. say shed. <laughs> What's a, what was a better story, shed or this? Oh, there's just that's really hard Good. to compare. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> those are just those are just completely different styles of suck. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, guess that six ninety nine point one really paid off, then, didn't it? Oh, yeah. no, shit. no shit. Yeah, I was really disappointed with six ninety nine point one, and it turns out that's about the best we've gotten so far. So, I, I'm so depressed by this series. I you can probably hear it in my voice every time I talk about it. It's like it's just I feel so horrible bad. for you, dude. I really I do too. You waited what twenty years to get this book? Uh, like it's a Morbius solo series, and the thing that gets me too is like this terrible, terrible story and take has just killed the potential for Morbius for a while, clearly. Because we didn't, they didn't even decide to, like, okay, this guy's not working out. Let's try a different writer on Morbius and see, you know, if we can take a different direction. It's just... Can't. Those numbers, you can't. Yeah, it's just, it, it did so badly that it's just canceled. And you know that's going to sour the idea of Morbius for a long time. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just one bad book. It's also killing potential. If it had at least... <laughs> If it had sucked, but at least kept a fairly consistent number, it would have allowed them to try out another writer. But it sucked so hard that it just drove it into the ground. An example of a book that's really bad that they're trying something else with is Thunderbolts. That that run is atrocious, but they're, they've got a new writer on it. So they the numbers were enough for that book that they're trying a new writer because the basic reaction, everything I've seen online – Dislikes ways run on on Thunderbolts. Oh, yeah. I, I you know I reviewed like the first four issues and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't even make it like two more issues to the end of the. Episode. It it's atrociously bad. I agree. The only good thing about it is the art. Mister Noto is really good. I think. Uh, let's see I, what else we got, Kev. Well, um, this is where things start to get a bit brighter. Uh, we've got Scarlet Spider number eighteen. Kev, praise Jesus. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so Wolverine recovers from his death in the last issue, as he does, kind of his trademark. Um, and thanks to some psychic stuff with, you know, Arasley and the psychics around, uh, lets him in on what's going on, and he actually goes with Kane to take down the Assassin's Guild together. So it goes from, I killed you, to team up. Uh, Arasley stays with the X-Men so Beast can analyze her in a just hilarious scene. Uh, but Beast determines that she's not a mutant, but she doesn't seem to be the only one in her body. Uh, evidently, it's... I was kind of thinking this whole time that the god that sometimes peeks out of her is actually part of her personality, but it seems like it's a completely different entity, which is interesting. Um, and while that's going on, Kane and Wolverine are ripping through assassins until they finally get to Belladonna, who runs the Assassin's Guild. But it turns out that they're all taking orders from some woman they're afraid of called the Red Death, and the Red Death pops in at the last minute, and she's going to kill them all. Like you do. Uh, I'm giving this one an A. Mm-hmm. We got a huge nice. swing <laughs> from the other ones. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, team-up stories just don't really come a whole lot better than this. I'm loving the arc, and this was a strong issue all on its own, which I, I've been saying this the past couple of issues, and I kind of hate to keep saying it, but it's amazing this is the same guy that's writing the Superior Spider-Man team-up book. It, it's, it sounds like it's a similar situation that Peter David was in with the, the Friendly Neighborhood book. It seems like Yost is a bit restricted on the Avenging team-up book of what he can do and how much he can change. Because like JMS was driving the, driving the, uh, the train, uh, and Peter David was just a passenger on the Spider-Man storyline. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's partially that, and I think it's also yeah. that uh, you know when you look at it, the concepts of Kane as Scarlet Spider and Otto as Superior Spider-Man are really actually very similar. And mm-hmm. Yost has already been doing such a good job and having such a good time, clearly, with Scarlet Spider. Uh, I feel like he's just, I guess, trying to look for something different to do yeah. with Superior Spider-Man, and he's just not as inspired. And I, I gave the numbers for Mormius, so I might as well give them for the rest of them. Scarlet Spider, 17 in the direct market, sold about 24,000 copies. And it's actually holding on to its audience. Um, uh, Scarlet 11 sold about 32, and then uh, 12 was 26. It's gently declining. Well, I think but we're it's, about to have a bump because it's gonna yeah. it's gonna cross over with Superior Spider-Man Team Up and about two right. more issues, and then I mean, Chris uh, will testify that when it crossed over with Venom, even though the Minimum Carnage arc was god awful, it showed off how good. Ghost and Scarlet Spider were, so Chris ended up staying with the series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my hope is the same thing's going to happen. Well, <laughs> I mean, my hope is this one's not going to suck, <laughs> but it's, it's completely written by Yost. It's both of his books, so I'm assuming it's actually going to be a good crossover, and my hope is more people will, you know, see that Scarlet Spider is good and actually stick around. Especially because there's kind of a eventish Scarlet Spider-Man story right after that with the quote-unquote mm-hmm. supposed return of Ben Riley, even though I don't think anybody actually thinks that's going to happen. Scarlet Spider outsold Astonishing X-Men uh, and Venom and the Ultimates book and X-Factor and Ultimate Comics X-Men. Well, so thank God that people actually recognize that this is better than Venom. I'm glad quality wins yeah. out a little bit. Right. It just it was beaten by Fearless Defenders and X Men Legacy, and Avengers Arena outsold it better. Well, that hurts a little bit. 
to compare it to Avenging Spider-Man, Avenging Spider-Man, uh, at least for issue 27, sold about 27,000 copies, compared that to uh, Scarlet 17, which was 24,000 copies. Avenging Spider-Man ended at number 22, Brad. I just said 21, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Tw- Avenging 21 sold at 27,000. If you, if you have some info on Avenging 27, I want to know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. What else we got? Are we getting Ultimate yet? Because that's the damn best yep. book we got. We got one more, and it is Ultimate Spider-Man. It is Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. number 24. Uh, in this one, we get a very different origin for Ultimate Cloak and Dagger, who, yeah. uh, you know, they're... Their story in the 616 universe has to do with, you know, drugs and street kids and whatnot. Um, very eight, 80s origin. Very much so. This Cloak and Dagger are former class presidents from different schools who <laughs> fell in love and got hit by a car on their way to their prom. Then they were experimented on for Roxon by this ultimate genius's cabal of get this, Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. The Leader, Nathaniel Essex, a.k.a. Mr. Sinister, Arnim Zola, and believe it or not, Layla Miller. Yeah, which is kind of one of the most interesting groups of what the hell just happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm was the, very interested the, in what's going the, on there. Was the car, because I read it a couple weeks ago, the car that hit them was uh, from a Spider-Man fight, a Peter Parker Spider-Man fight, is that right? Or was I... Uh, was it random? A random car. I don't remember anything specific about the car. I might have just missed okay. something though, or just forgotten about it. Um, yeah. yeah, from what I from what I was reading, they uh, they just found these two kids in a coma, basically, and were like, "Experiment in time, bitches." <laughs> <laughs> it's live bodies. It's it's biology class with humans, and not frogs. Roxon was uh, Roxon had hired these guys to try to. Uh, quote-unquote, replicate Spider-Man, but these actual geniuses explained that that was kind of a fluke. You can't replicate Spider-Man. Why don't we do our own thing? They used, uh, like, dark matter and whatnot, and Mm. boom, cloak and dagger. Um, So it went from that flashback scene back to the present where they are uh, fighting Bombshell still. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Miles is just trying like hell to keep Gwen Stacy's big mouth shut and keep his dad in the dark and not become Spider-Man again. And that she, is... bitch, she bitch slaps him. <laughs> well, he also, let's say he gives her some really good looks. Because uh, <laughs> she just be talking and he's like, my dad's right over there. <laughs> so it was, uh, that's pretty much the whole issue and yet it gets an A. Uh, no. Even as mostly an Ultimate Cloak and Dagger origin issue, it's just it's just another excellent issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, and thank God for it. It actually makes Cloak and Dagger compelling to me, which is a first. I know they're kind of fan favorites um, in the original universe, but I I haven't really read the old Cloak and Dagger stuff. It wasn't really my time, and so I've never seen anything that really made me latch on to them, but I really, really enjoyed Bendis' Ultimate versions. Yeah. And, of it's course, good. you know, the Roxon's little cabal, the ultimate name drop fest of all time. So I am I am really curious <laughs> what's going to happen with that group of people. I want to know a lot more, particularly about Ultimate Miller. Which do you think is better, USM or Scar Spider? Ooh, um, I gave them both an A this month. <laughs> they got equal grades. Um, I think I'd have to say Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I think... Scarlet Spider, at least right now, I don't know. I think they wax and wane a little bit. 
because um, Ultimate Spider-Man, I was actually really disappointed in general with the Venom War arc. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it was bad, it just a lot of, several of the issues just weren't what I was really digging into. Um, but the Spider-Man No More, just the two issues we've gotten, um, both times I've read an issue and just put it down and said, God damn, that's good. Right. I mean, these Both of these issues have been about the best comic book I've read in that month. And, Loving it. I'm also really, as much as I like Sarah Pacelli, um, Sarah Pacelli's art is good, um, and she did a good job on this book, but sometimes there is just an artist that seems born to draw a particular book, and that is David Marquez with the Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm, I love that he's back as the ongoing penciler, and it, it's Killing just... Me. Such a good synthesis of writer and artist, top of their game, great concept, doing great things, and it's it's exciting to read every month. My vote is Ultimate Spider-Man is the better book of the two, and they're both very solid. Don, do you read Scarlet? I, I really I really don't keep up with Scarlet. I'm, I'm not against reading, okay. but like I just fall behind all the time. Whereas Ultimate, right. I I mean like I, I agree that like the Venom War wasn't great, and Ultimate's not been like you know every issue awesome, but by and large like this is like one of the most like satisfying, I kept up to the potential comic books I've read since it debuted. Yeah, I, I concur. And and when, when it was first announced that Miles was going to be a Spider-Man replacement, we were all very skeptical, but Bendis has delivered, and it's, it's a great, great character, along the lines of uh, Spider-Man 2099, I think. Yeah, I think the this, is, this is what the Ultimate Universe exists for. Right. I mean, Brian Bendis created Ultimate Spider-Man... Uh, what, 13 years ago now. Um, yeah. But with this concept, he has just taken it to the next level and done... He's created a Spider-Man that is true to the spirit and the core of Spider-Man, but is also radically different in certain ways. Uh, yep. But it's such a good story. The characters are so compelling. This is why the Ultimate Universe exists, so you can do these kinds of complete spins on concepts uh, and and when it's done at this level, it is beautiful. But sadly, Brian Bendis is the only Brian Bendis on Spider Man is the only one that has been able to keep an ultimate book, an ultimate concept at this level for any length of time. But yeah. I don't care if the rest of the Ultimate Universe ceases to be published. This one needs to keep going. Great. The uh, the the radical changes in the Ultimate Universe, the uh, the killing of Wolverine, the Fantastic Four breaking up, the uh, Professor X. Well, Professor X died in six one six two, but generally, I, I've said this before. Spider Man is the only, I think, alternate reality character that works generally. Yeah, and, I think they, and, I think they went a little bit too nuts uh, with the whole, you know. Ultimate is where you can do anything, and you never know what's going to happen. And they just started killing people, yeah. and they started taking things way away from their concept because it's supposed to be an accessible universe. You know, that was always the idea. And I think even though Miles is a different character, he still is because he's got that core. He is that person. Um, mm-hmm. But you look at like the Ultimates, and even I. I have read uh, Josh Fialkov's first two issues of Ultimates that are number 25 and 26, and they're very good. I think he's bringing it back more to what it should be. Um, But in general, they've just been like every single arc, they've done something so drastic to at least one character to move them farther and farther away from any recognizability. Uh So no one can actually 
get into the Ultimate Universe these days, the continuity is more steep than 616 ever was. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I don't mind if Galactus eats the whole damn thing but saves Miles. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is people talk about, you know, it's time for the Ultimate Universe to end. Uh, I think it is, honestly. Do it and just bring Miles over to 616. I think that's crap. Um, because Miles would not work as well in 616 because it would be a whole different story. The characters and the story around Miles right now, the yeah. world he lives in, is part of why he's so good. Uh, and I, it's part of why the story is so interesting because he doesn't have, you know, the Avengers around. He doesn't have, you know, Kane or Superior Spider-Man or whoever around. He he is who he is. Uh, and the Ultimates are not really very accepting. They're not really very helpful. In fact, they mostly suck. Uh, he's got his dad there. He's got school. And, yeah, it's... It, part of the fun of this book, I think, is playing with certain concepts. Like, you can do Ultimate Layla Miller and Mr. Sinister and whatnot, throw them together and just fascinate me with that panel and who those characters are in this universe. And that kind of... St- I mean, he's he's dating Ultimate Kate Bishop right now, and we've barely seen anything about her, but we know who she is. Um, I, and I, I agree with that. If you, you bring him over to 616 without their relationship with Mary Jane and the Gwen Stacy and his... his um, his uh, dad, and etc. Yeah. He would just be like an orphan and stuck in a universe he didn't create. Yeah, and it loses he'd, the whole... he'd be he'd be Bishop. Yeah, <laughs> it loses the whole Spider-Man's Bishop. Of, it loses the whole depth <laughs> of having had a uh, a Spider-Man die publicly. I mean, part of the whole launch of this yeah. thing was that Spider-Man died not as Spider-Man but as Peter Parker. He was unmasked. People knew he was a kid. People knew who he was, and it had a huge impact on people. And that was a big part of what informed the launch of Miles as Spider-Man. And you don't want to lose that. Yeah, I agree. That's good. All right, pretty uh, two good ones, and the rest are bad. Two out of five, huh, Kevin? Yeah, this was. I mean, if you're doing an average, this was a crap month. I mean, two Fs and a C minus is not going to be balanced out by two As. But I, I just appreciate that the last two books I read in the month uh, were standouts and they made me feel better in general.